Do you know anyone who overuses the exclamation point? You know, the person who can't write a sentence in a Facebook post or in a letter or in a text without the use of one or more of those exclamation points at the end of their words. Uh, the use, especially the overuse of exclamation points, is annoying. And in my notes, I used an exclamation point at the end of that. Uh, there is a funny Seinfeld episode. There's a Seinfeld episode for everything. Uh, but on this particular annoyance, uh, weaving the theme throughout the show in such a brilliant way, and uh, here is a clip I'm sure you've probably already seen, but it reminds us about the exclamation point. I was just... Uh... Just get rid of the exclamation, exclamation points. That's a great line and a great word of advice. I mean, are they really even necessary? Uh, well, they were necessary for God. At least that's how Peter, James, and John heard it up on the mountain that one day with Jesus. This is that mountain that we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And scholars have located what they think to be the Mount of Transfiguration. There is some debate about which one actually was that exact mountain. Uh, but there is a chapel at the top of, of that one that uh, most of them agree on uh, as being the place. But while they're there, uh, they experience the presence of Christ and they hear from God. And while there is no exclamation point in the Greek language, uh, at least in the New Testament Greek, the Koine Greek language, there is actually exclamation. There is emphasis. There is passion. There is enthusiasm that needs to be expressed. And what these three, Peter, James, and John, what they heard was God's point about Jesus. Hear God's words again from the Gospel. This is my Son, the Beloved. Listen to Him. It reminds us of when Jesus was baptized as we looked at it, the very first part of the Epiphany season as Jesus comes out of the Jordan River and He hears God speaking to Him. And this is reported and this is told and talked about and it is recorded in Mark's Gospel as well as others that this was taking place and God had said, this is my beloved. This grammar point comes at just the right time in just the right way with just the right volume. Listen to Him. And I thought about that as I was reading it this week. It's not a listen to Him or yeah, listen to Him. He's pretty important. What He has to say is pretty important. Just You might want to listen to Him. It's, it's not that at all. And that's why that exclamation point is there. Listen 
to him. There is that force in the language and Mark is wanting to represent that. And this is something that Peter and James and John, they, they heard on that mountain that day. And so the point is well taken and is certainly, it's not overused here at all. English translators do struggle to express it. And I think we have trouble uh, hearing it in our lives as well. But as we see here, God doesn't misuse or overuse the exclamation point. So was God angry or was God just being dramatic? Does God just go around speaking and exclamation points all the time? Was there a reason that God had such excitement? Well, I guess anyone who speaks from a mountain uh, really gets the choice on what kind of punctuation that they want to use. But God, here in this scene, He seems to be both excited and frustrated. At least that's the way I read it. That's the way I hear it. God's excited. Listen to my son. He's got great things to say. Things that, that you really need to hear. That affect your life on this earth and affect your life for all of eternity. Listen to him. So there's the excitement, but I think there's the frustration as well. As God is getting frustrated. Up to this point, Jesus has been talking and talking. A, a walking mouthpiece for God in the world. People kept following along. But it was more about the seeing than it was the hearing. They wanted to see Him teach. They wanted to see Him heal. and They wanted to see Him rebuke a demon. They wanted to see Him deliver someone from something very terrible in their lives. They wanted to see Him debate with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the other people that were gathered around. The people of Jesus' own religion, they just were not apt to listen to Him. Especially the religious leaders. They just had trouble uh, hearing Him, much less even seeing Him. So Peter, James, and John, they, they were different from all of these others. Jesus wanted them to come with Him up to the top of the mountain because they were the best listeners that He had. He had a pretty ragtag group of disciples. As He looks at them, he, He's wondering, you know, I, <laughs> I'm sure He had to wonder. It's not reported, but I'm sure He had to wonder how in the world is this gospel, is this kingdom, how is this ministry going to move on from here? And I think Jesus intentionally leaves the rest of the disciples at the base of the mountain, and He looks at Peter and just thinks, you know, scratches his head wondering, you know, I did call him a rock, and I don't see it yet, but it's going to happen, and, but he's, he's the best I have. And then there's James, and there's John. So I'll take them on up to the top of the mountain. And they were the advanced of their group. They were ones who could and would be trusted with the most responsibility in the days ahead and really the years to come. Peter, the real ringleader of followers and the most courageous uh, of the whole bunch, really, shows how easy it is to just see Jesus rather than to hear Him. I, I love this account. I love the way it's described. Uh, put another way, it, it's really... Peter is having trouble listening in a world of seeing. He has seen all this going on in Jesus and he is mesmerized by it all to the point where he would confess Jesus as his Lord. But something else is going on here. And uh, we see that as this is going uh, down, as this is taking place up on the mountain, and this is a beautiful mosaic of, of what that moment must have been like, he is amazed at what he saw of Jesus. They're all transfigured before his eyes uh, with Jesus' clothes shining brightly and the vision of Elijah and Moses on either side. You, 
You've got Elijah, who is representing prophecy over here on this side of Jesus, and then Moses, who is representing the law. And Jesus, who is right in the middle of them, fulfilling both the law and the prophecy. There is Jesus, and He is shining brightly. And this is an exciting time. But even with all of that, Peter needs an exclamation point. This kind of reminder for him to listen to Jesus. His response to Jesus was, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. Let's just, let's camp out up here. This is exciting. I don't ever want to really go anywhere else. He was ready to just stay there a while and to keep on looking. The words of Jesus usually caused people to stay or to go. I mean, they either bought into what He was saying or they didn't. Or they were curious and wanted to hear more or they had enough and they were ready to walk away. The vision of Jesus, however, was much easier to take. A time was coming, though, when the transfigured Christ would become the ascended Christ and what would be left was His words. What would be left was the listening to His words. And we have a problem with listening too, don't we? We have a problem much like Peter. We would much rather just see Jesus than to listen to Him. Author Annie Dillard speaks to this in, in one of her books. And I, I was reading a blog post by Catherine Huey in her blog uh, called Thin Places. And she says this, We live our lives mostly down here on the ground, unaware of the wondrous, transformative power of God at work in the world, especially in the life of the church. In approaching this text, <clears throat> Stephen Cook draws on Annie Dillard's wonderful reflection in her book, uh, Teaching a Stone to Talk. The familiar passage in that book is about wearing crash helmets to church instead of ladylike hats. That the gospel is so dangerous that we shouldn't wear anything but a crash helmet. Because that's what the gospel does to us. And he also quotes her description of us as a cheerful, brainless tourist on a package tour of the absolute. Cheerful, brainless tourist on a package tour of the absolute. I wonder if that is a description for how we come to church at times. I don't see any ladylike hats out there, although there might be some in the parade today. But I'm wondering, are there any crash helmets? Are we all about coming to see Jesus on tour? Or are we coming to listen to the explosive, dangerous words that Jesus has to say to us? The exclamation point here is intended for us, just like it was for Peter, for James, and for John. We can either be like them and running to take cover when we see Jesus this up close and personal, or we can be like Peter, so caught up in the experience of seeing that life down in the valley is all forgotten. The people who are down at the base of the mountain with their needs and their challenges, they're all just forgotten. And we can get so caught up with looking at Jesus that we forget to look at them the people that God has placed around us who need to see Him too. And they need to see Him through our eyes and be able to hear the descriptions that we have of Jesus. Our eye muscles are sinewy and, and they are cut while those of our ears are weak and they're undefined. We do love 
Jesus and will do just about anything to see Him. But we find it harder to listen to Him. We hear Him, but do we really listen? Maybe we could listen better if we recognized all of what it is that we are hearing. Just think of the countless sounds and noises our ears take in every day. I always loved this uh, when I was in, um, there was a teacher I had in elementary school who would take us outside, and I think just because she wanted to get out of the classroom, and we would sit and think of all the different things that we were hearing. And uh, that actually was something that uh, I would return to from time to time as a way of just kind of settling my own mind and getting quiet to just take note of how many different sounds there are uh, that, that we could listen to as we close our eyes. It is almost impossible to be anywhere that is quiet anymore. I mean, anywhere you go, you're going to hear some kind of sound. And even if we could find such a place of quiet, we would still have the sounds and the noises of our minds. I have been held captive this week by Whitney Houston's I Will Always Love You. It's just been in my head and I can't get it out. And I don't like it. (laughs) And now you can't get it out of your heads either. God's exclamation point here calls us to listen to Jesus even in the midst of all of these sounds that we hear. Those that are external as well as those that are internal. And I wonder... In what ways will you reduce the number of noises in your life in this next 40 days of Lent? As you prepare for Holy Week and as you prepare for Easter to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. In what ways will you deal with the noises of your life? Well, it is good for us to listen to Jesus alone, but it is also good for us to listen to Him with other people. In fact, this is one of the best ways to hear Jesus through the ears of other people, through the ears of the people who are sitting next to you this morning. This is one of the benefits of coming to church, of being around other Christians. Yes, you can do your faith on your own. You can go out to a beautiful place and get away from people and all the problems that people have and just dwell in relationship with God. You can do that. There's no question. Sometimes it just works out better that way. But that's not how God intended it. God intended for you to be around other people in the context of Christian community so that you can hear Christ through them and they can hear Christ through you. We hear Jesus while together in Bible study, while out serving together, through our testimonies of praise, in our welcoming of one another, through the diverse unity of our voices while singing, and in the tearful expressions of struggle that we go through at times as individuals. We have a great opportunity this next week to begin a new season of listening as we start these 40 days of Lent with Ash Wednesday. Will you be present in the group? And will you be present in the moment to listen to God? As we continue on this year, may we find even more ways and time to listen to Jesus together. But we are to listen to Jesus with experience and action too. Jesus has given us the call to move beyond seeing Him on the mountain to serving Him in the less inspiring valleys of our daily lives. I think this is the balance between gathering for worship on Sunday and scattering for service during the week. I am convinced that we can hear more of Jesus while out loving our neighbors at home, work, school, or in the Highland neighborhood than while ever gathered in worship. That's just my personal opinion. 
Our ears are open the most when our hands are serving the least. The least of these, that is. What mountain is Jesus calling you to descend into service? The season of Christmas and Epiphany, they've been warm and they've been comforting. They make us feel good with God coming into our world and revealing His love to us and and all that goes along with that. But now we enter a season that provides less comfort. One that begins with a call to remember that we are but ashes and eventually leads us to a very heavy cross. It is a season that invites us to listen in experience and with action. Gary Ryan Blair stated it this way. He says, We only live once, but once is enough if we do it right. Live your life with class, dignity, and style, so that an exclamation rather than a question mark signifies your life. What our gospel reading this morning reminds us to do is much the same. May our lives give evidence and expression that we got the point. God, we thank You for the way 